Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 96 of Middle of the Row, the podcast. This week, we are flashing back to 2009, just like the film that we're discussing flashes back. Star Trek, J.J. Abrams, directed reboot of that franchise. The whole, it's a reboot, but it's also still connected in that. It has Leonard Nimoy's Spock in it, but it creates a whole new timeline, and I think it actually does a really great job with all of that. But um, John picked this movie for us, so I'm going to let him tell us why he picked it, and we can just get into the movie after that. So, John, Star Trek, oh nine. Yeah, I, and I just want to say, I totally agree with you, too, in terms of a film that takes a unique, a unique path with time travel and like creating an alternate reality that is still sort of tied into the original universe. Um, I think they did a really good job and just, I think that's emblematic of their overall goal. Like they wanted to create something that paid enough homage and had enough for old fans of the old series up through like, the many other series like next generation and deep space nine and voyager but also remained its own unique thing and as someone who like is not a huge trekkie i admittedly watched uh tng when i was a kid but not enough to like quote any plot lines to you or anything like that i remember watching it falling asleep late at night like going to be <laughs> on at like syndication in the middle yeah. of the night yeah I probably watched a couple of the movies of that. Yeah, the, 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 what was the, there's a time travel one of those that's good. Yeah, he fights, doesn't he fight uh, Tom Hardy or something? Is he in that? The, what is that one? The one with, uh. I think it's Nemesis, the one where it's his. No, 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 that's not the one I'm thinking of. I'm thinking okay. of the one where James, Car- I guess they have to go back because the James Cromwell creates the warp drive or something like that, and they have to protect James that. Cromwell. Yeah. James Cromwell's always fucking shit up. Doesn't that <laughs> doesn't that one have to do with like whales or something too? No, if I that's correctly? the that's the that's the original cast. Yeah, movie. that's the search for Spock. I've seen that then. I just don't remember any of it. Yeah, so I I have no idea what the fuck any of them are talking about right now. (laughs) Just to uh, just to own up to my lack of Star Trek allegiance or not allegiance, just like I wasn't a huge Trekkie. But I think I I, yeah, I mean I'm with you. I these are the only series. If we're gonna break up all the series that I've seen, it's in entirety, whether it's a show or a section of movies or whatever have you. Yeah, I'm with you. This is the only one I've seen. I've been a completionist on. Yeah, but they've created Same. such a they've created such a well balance of paying homage while creating something new, I think. And the overall tone of the movie is just it's apparently I was reading up that they were really going for this optimistic like aspirational tone and they tried to convey that in like every they convey that in everything from the music, the soundtrack, the acting, the the shots and the use of screen glare like there's just a very great there's a great tone to this movie that's that fluctuates between being like dramatic to tense to suspenseful to very humorous though at the same time like it's it's a very 
a comprehensively good movie, in my opinion. Positivity. Positive, lots of positivity. Yeah, gotta smile when you lose of... your mothers. <laughs> he does not smile when he loses his mother. He doesn't smile it... ever. Well, Zach was probably okay with it. Wasn't she like the worst thing in Stranger Things, in his opinion? Yeah. Well, that doesn't mean she's bad in other things. I can appreciate Winona hold Ryder. On, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Zach, Winona Ryder in this movie, though. She's okay. Oh, fuck you. You're the worst. She has like a non role. <laughs> yeah, she's in like two scenes. And yeah, I don't know. It. I just I, I just think she's I just really like Winona Ryder, I guess, in these last two things or these two things that we've mentioned, like Would you Star say Trek she stole and the film Stranger for Things. You? <laughs> 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 yeah, I agree with the positivity. And you know, looking back at the landscape too, this is like where like dark and brooding was like I guess with Marvel, I guess Marvel hadn't quite turned the corner on that but we've for had, everybody we've had yet. Batmans. All the sad Batmans. Yeah, well, we that's had, what I'm saying. We have all the Dark Knights. The tone of the Dark Knight movies is is been what people big franchise filmmaking is reaching for. Well, that was intentional I read too. Like with all the Well, yeah, Batmans. because they wanted to get back to the positivity of the original the, the Roddenberry series, series. Yeah. But also like it sounds like John's going to say the they 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 Abrams and company felt like dark and brooding was filling the well because we just we had Nolan's take on Batman we had the the Daniel uh, why am I why am I losing his last name Daniel Craig excuse me sorry I've been really bad James Bond. James Bonds like we had we had gone to the 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 Bourne series even we've gone to this like grimy take on action movies kind of. And yeah, they said they intentionally wanted to do something different. So I appreciated that. Marvel is only two movies deep at this point, I guess. Iron Man and Incredible Hulk. Incredible Hulk, which I would argue Incredible Hulk does fit that dark er vibe. Yeah, it does. Rest in peace, Thor. <laughs> Thor wasn't out yet, was it? No. But I say he had to okay. die in this to be Thor. Oh, okay. Bummer. Mm-hmm. But it was nice that you know, Chris Pine he, took his name of his father. You know? <laughs> I think what I found interesting is uh, Hemsworth accent kind of sounds like Channing Tatum in this movie. <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've, I've noticed that every time. I think it's like the third time I've I've thought that when I've rewatched that opening scene. Hard disagree. Hard disagree. No, d- d- the right before the end, he sounds just like Channing Tatum when he's the, his last little chap before before he. <laughs> gets thrown into the front <laughs> they graphically show him dying in that it's pretty sad but um just watching the opening of this movie gets me sucks me into this every time and i i remember that feeling in the theater i was like oh this is great and i think that just has to do with not just abram's i, I didn't like go- it as much as i remember the opening like mm. it, it felt too fast like it just it did went i don't know like I, I didn't really care about what was going on at first would you like to I see guess. all those people die slower no but it just it it feels like it's it's like it just immediately drops you to this big action sequence and it doesn't really like let up until you know the the first flash forward when kirk is a kid but it was just like if to me it felt it was like i don't know it just felt way too fast i think it gets across what it needs to though is like his dad is this heroic guy his dad's dead and they came through a black hole like 
the lightning storm. Those are the three things that are that's supposed to establish. It does. I just it mm-hmm. felt. I don't know why. It just and I, I know it. It's a weird like little nitpick, but it just it felt super fast to me for some. Yeah, we went from reason. a ship exploding to a car chase to a bar fight. <laughs> no, you skipped a fight in a um, learning pod. Oh yeah, that too. A learning pod. <laughs> <laughs> so many fights. Apparently. J.J. Abrams cut out another brawl like on the Romulan ship and turned it into a gunfight because he was worried there was too much fist fights in the movie. Lauren, what are your thoughts on Star Trek? Um, I mean, you guys were talking about all that old stuff, and I was out there crushing baseballs, nailing chicks. Um, <laughs> no, like, this, <laughs> like, this I think this movie. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, a friend of mine. I can't. I don't even remember what series it was. If it was the Next Generation or one of the others, but she made me watch the first episode of it, and I hated it. So I haven't watched any Star Trek until these movies, and since then, I've liked Star Trek. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like, can we call ourselves Star Trek fans if we only like the movies? First of all, you like, would call yourself three a movies? Trekkie. Well, I feel like you have to be super hardcore to be a Trekkie. Sure that the fans from day one would frown upon that. But, you know, I'm all about inclusion. You gotta take new people or you can get them. Okay. Did the, the movie keep working for you, Ben? After the opening? Yeah, or, I mean, I enjoyed it. I, I didn't think it was great, but I, I like I enjoyed it. For the most part, like I thought it was pretty good. Not as good as I remember. I don't know. I will say that too, but I've seen this a lot of times, so it it exponentially wears off in terms of its like amped upness. There's only so much inspiration you can take. Yeah, and I think it also it feels like it feels like a really. I mean, and I hate saying this, it feels like an uninspired sci-fi, but it's because it it's you know the sci-fi that you know inspired everything else so all these different elements are kind of i don't know they just don't feel as fresh anymore i don't think it needs to feel fresh though i mean the reason i love all three of these movies is the casting is just amazing across the board i just want to hang out with these guys and girls is there only more than one one girl and i think i feel the same i think that's why into darkness didn't rub me the wrong way like it did a lot of people because I was just happy to spend two hours with this uh, yeah. cast again. I still, I still liked it. Yeah, yeah I like that one too. I did too. Cast the cast is what makes it enjoyable. Like the cast is great all around. I would think. I just. Uh, I, I want to keep talking about this, but it's interesting. You all like Into Darkness, where I feel like the public consciousness of that movie is that it was a dumpster fire. So, well, um, weren't, they, weren't they people would be just wrong. mad because it was a retelling of a story? Yeah. 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 But it's like for someone who doesn't know that story, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, for all I know, he's the best con. Ooh, I'm going to piss people off saying the that. The longest con. <laughs> <laughs> I am full of dad jokes tonight, and I've also resisted saying at least three of them already. <laughs> you should yeah. you should unleash them all. Yeah, right I mean, there now. was one earlier where uh, Zach was talking about the beginning of the movie just um, pulling him in, and I was going to be like a black hole. Oh, <laughs> gravitationally yeah, like... <laughs> he had no choice <laughs> i have a lot of thoughts about the black holes because one i love the visual like how they always try to show like both sides of it so you can yeah, see like cool. it's coming from another time and space and i like how they also don't try to 
I mean, they do explain the time travel thing a lot when Spock explains it, but at the same time, they're not trying to, like, over-explain it. But they also do open quite a few black holes in this movie. And that seems a little irresponsible. Yeah, that's that, that's a that's a poor decision. For all fairness, the bad guy. Well, no, I guess Spock opens the first one. Spock opens two. He in this almost movie. killed his best friend. Like, what if Kirk hadn't been born? <laughs> well, I also like the context of this movie. It feels like the timeline version of this is like, even if Spock dies in this timeline. Old Spock could have, I mean, he's he's died in the continuity of these movies now, too. Old Spock has. But Old <laughs> Spock would still exist. Like, I think it's like, they're not playing with, like, the, the, it's the alternate brutality route. Stuff. It's not, yeah. like, the Back to the Future vibe, you know. Well, because Back to the Future is bullshit. Wait. Ben, you don't like Back to the Future? Shut up, Z- Shut up, John. He doesn't like Back to the Future very much. I do like Back to. That was a reference to Avengers. You no, assholes. I know what you're referring. I know what you're referencing. Sorry, I completely forgot. He also gave Back to the Future like three and a half on Letterbox, which They're is good. just like, which is like John giving a half star to Civil War bad, Winter Soldier bad. Well, yeah, that one too. <laughs> what were you thinking about time travel, Lauren? Oh, just like sometimes, I just don't like to think about it. <laughs> it always falls oh, apart. Yeah. I, I, it doesn't have to always, I think this one's pretty solid. Oh, I'm saying actually. like they don't get um, too into it in this one. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't yeah. like it doesn't make you think about it too much. In the extent mm-hmm. that like when you think about it too much or I was just making a joke about how the more people ask about the end game time travel and the directors or whatever talk about it the more it breaks apart because they don't even understand the context of their own movie. Well, and I like how they kind of they kind of poke at the sort of facetiousness of the whole concept of time travel where they have the Spock oh, that's a great line the Spock end. versus Spock yeah. interaction which is like you lied I implied yeah that was great <laughs> it was I for, again I forget that bit at the end so it made me laugh this time when he's like yeah I just tricked that dumbass <laughs> <laughs> did anybody know Chris Pine or I, I guess before this movie the, the only person I really knew going into this movie I guess would have been who are the most famous people at the point? Like John Cho, Simon Pegg, because of Harold and Kumar. Yeah, for Harold and Kumar. Simon Pegg uh, and Saldana. I knew Zachary. I knew Zachary Quinto. Zachary uh, Quinto because of Heroes. It, well, and American Horror Story was that out? He was not. That show was not out yet. Um, American Horror Story, <laughs> the first Morrison. season, yeah, it was. Jennifer Morrison, for the longest time, I thought was actually the actress from Felicity. Who's Jennifer Morrison? The gar- the mom. Yeah, the mom. Again, I don't know, remember Shit, what... 2011. Okay, I was wrong. I don't remember what Pine was in before this. He, he swooped in and stole my wife's heart when she saw this movie. And... <laughs> he was famous enough where he had recognition, though. I mean, no, I don't think anybody... I mean, like I said, I think Zachary Quinto was probably the biggest star before this movie. I'm just saying, it just goes to show the fact that this movie made Chris Pine who he was and that Abrams and his team saw the potential in him. It, it just goes to how great the casting is across the board in this movie. And Eric Bana is like low key awesome in this movie, but <laughs> like you forget it's Eric Bana almost every see, time you me see the watching movie. This, yeah. I was like, it could have been anyone. I don't care about this performance at all. I don't like, I, I think he's striking that perfect chord of, I don't know. He seems I to think... be walking I think my main problem was wasn't necessarily with his performance so much as I was just so angry with his character 
Because, like, he should just be happy that his planet is there and his family's alive maybe in the future, but they're going to be alive, assuming yeah. things happen. I, that's when you don't want to think about time travel. No, but no, but I think it's an interesting idea to talk around time travel in that, like... No, I'm just saying the more he, I think about it, it's like, does he have to... Will he meet his family if he's here in this? It's like, how does it work? But it's like, I guess there's just two of him in this timeline. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think the movie writes well, that away with the Spock scene. Oh, the yeah, end. duh, Spock. Um, yeah the idea that he is just so hell-bent on vengeance he's not even i guess he's he's a hundred years away from seeing his family he probably can't live long enough to see his family maybe but like he should still just be happy that they're gonna be alive yeah at least until the supernova happens again but i guess yeah i guess he thinks he has to but he doesn't kill Spock, though. No. He doesn't kill the one person then, who potentially could cause all this to happen again. The one thing that I always that's what, uh, that's what I thought it implied. Is, okay, so he arrives in this timeline, like, mm-hmm. 20, yeah, 30 years before it would take them. Spock 25 does. years, I believe. So is yes. he just sitting at that place in space for 25 years? No, they're, I think they're hiding, <laughs> and they, they imply that they did some maths and figured out where they were supposed to be and when they were supposed to be, potentially. Because he thinks they might have to wait a little while when they get there. Yeah. But then Spock shows up like almost immediately. I don't know. But, but were they, did they come back at the, were they at the same spot? Or were they I, I assume they were at I, the same exact spot clear. just waiting for him to show up. Hmm. So they must have done some maths to figure out how long they thought it would take him to get there. I don't there. know if you can predict it. Because <laughs> like Spock was just like, they went in. It was seconds for him. It was years and years for the other guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Clifton Collins Jr. did some math and figured it out. But can we even know that? Because has anyone ever gone through a black hole? <laughs> um, we don't know with their timeline, I guess, what has happened between... No, I'm just saying, how can you do math about something that like has never happened? We don't know what happens when you go through a black hole, do we? Yeah, but this movie takes place like 500 years in the future. You can imply a lot has happened since then. Okay, but who are you saying did math? <laughs> The Romulans. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying a real life person did math and figured out oh, how no, this no. movie worked. And <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, wait, what? No, 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 no. I'm saying someone in the the Romulans did some math gotcha. to figure out when it would happen, when they sh- when and where. You they know those be. people who are just drillers. It's like Armageddon all over again. Yeah, you have to have a couple smart people on board. <laughs> yeah, they had to be. Able- well, I guess they already had that. Are they just like going around space with this giant umbilical cord of a? drill like laser thing trailing well, I think behind they can them. pull it in. they can retract it it's just hilarious to see that dangling <laughs> i was watching it this time for whatever reason i was shocked at how long it takes for simon Pegg to be in the movie it's like two-thirds of the movie <laughs> before he shows up and yeah. yeah he just feels so fully a part of this movie when you think about back about it yeah but... except i didn't remember a key detail about his character that i now have to hate him for what is that? He killed the dude's beagle. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, to be fair, he doesn't know what he did to the dog's beagle. <laughs> if you teleport a beagle to a random place, I hate to tell you, but it's dead. <laughs> Regardless, he took that beagle away from its happy place and shot it <laughs> off into a random location. You don't know if that commander was an awful person and he was just trying to send it to a better place. He should have just kept it. What if the dog was really shitty? Yeah, How could you people? even present that as a possibility? <laughs> <laughs> Cover your ears, Scout. Speaking of commanders, Bruce Greenwood is also... I just love him. 
in this these movies or he's only in the second one for a few minutes but uh as pike i think he does a great job of being the father figure without the script or him like really laying it on yeah Uh, agreed he's there to assure him and give him a kick in the ass but if he doesn't show up he's not gonna like track him down like start crying about it or anything so yeah yeah Um, i thought it was it was pretty like and again and that that's a testament to the actors and maybe just the writing as well with how they they all like fit it like they create these characters that even after a little bit of time we we feel like we know their role and who they are and their the the amount of history between them i don't know every everything felt like so fully fledged out in a short amount of time and i thought that was like one of the best parts about it i just want to say that we were watching way too many movies recently where bugs like burrow into someone's body <laughs> they dropped it in it's his very mouth. upsetting well yeah but it like <laughs> your throat isn't connected to your brainstem at some point it has yeah, to burrow it's- it's gonna I thought have he to said dig. there was like some enzyme or something that released. I don't no, know. No, it, d- it digs directly into your brainstem. Mm, that's unfortunate. Yeah, it's it's brutal. <laughs> <laughs> you experienced it personally. Yeah, it's. Uh, I would not recommend. <laughs> the information we got out of Ben, though, when we did that to him, was quite shocking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that he hates dogs. <laughs> <laughs> So apparently one of the running gags throughout the Star Trek series is that we don't know what Ahura's first name actually is. And it was never, apparently it was never like released until this movie. So that was like the running oh, gag. was like, cool. Yeah. With, I think I saw somewhere that it had been like in encyclopedias for this type of thing. Like it had been written down somewhere. So it did mm. actually exist, but never in like film-wise like spoken yeah yeah Yeah. that's cool and so things like that that just make me again these are writers who knew the level of respect and care that they had to treat their source material with and like how to well see i i just play off to it i hate when stuff gets too reverential to whatever and i think i think you could argue and maybe since we're not all trek heads here we can't speak to how nudge nudge wink winky this movie is it doesn't feel a lot of times you can feel that even if you don't even know what it's referencing to in a movie if if you're experiencing a remake or a reboot or something for the first time like you can sometimes feel when they're really trying to like remember this from the old thing and i don't think this movie does that i think it does a pretty good job of organically weaving it in but I think there's a little bit of... Con- it's interesting to contrast the way how hard Abrams does it, does the referential thing in Force Awakens, a movie I really like and can appreciate. But again, that's probably my biggest problem with that movie is that it doesn't try to be its own know. thing. I would say the sh- salt shaker reference through me. The salt shaker reference mm-hmm. where he had a little Enterprise salt well, shaker. Well, see, I didn't... I didn't understand that it was a salt shaker. So I was just like, why does he have this random toy with like sand in it? What am I not getting? I didn't I didn't <laughs> notice the the salt in it until this viewing actually. Same. But like I guess they used to use salt shakers for some medical instrument maybe in the show. I can't remember. I was oh. reading the trivia earlier, but See, I'm sure this movie does have a bunch of stuff like that, but Apparently the apple eating was also one, although JJ Abrams didn't actually realize it was a reference at the time. It was just like happy coincidence. 
That Chris guess, Pine was just eating apples. Well, all no, the time. it was like I guess like I don't I don't remember what movie it was, but one of the movies previously, um, when Kirk was retelling, doing the um, sh- shit, what's it called? Whenever, well, whenever he was doing that test, Kobayashi Maru. Yeah, that when he was retel- like recounting it, he was eating an apple in that scene. Mm-hmm. It's like the only reason Chris Pine does it in this one is because J.J. Abrams thinks that when people eat apples in movies, they look like dicks. And so that's why he was doing it. Like, but it's like it's actually a reference to previous Star Trek stuff. That's that's good to know that they knew Kirk was a dick in the mm-hmm. beginning of the movie because he is a real dick. He's a charming dick, but he's a real dick. I think Pine does a great job of evolving Kirk over the believably evolving Kirk over the course of the movie, and he doesn't lose that at the end either. He's still got that swagger that made him a dick, but he's not a dick about it anymore. Yeah, it also just. That whole test is flawed. Because, like, <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying Spock is, like, it's supposed to kind make of. you feel fear. No one's going to feel fear in, like, it's a, a scenario. Yeah, no one's yeah. going to actually understand what fear feels like in a simulation like that. Because it's very clearly not real. I guess I feel like there's probably, maybe the, obviously the movie doesn't get this across, but it's I feel like it's supposed to be this big test that people stress the fuck out about. But mm-hmm. Pine is just done it a lot and just wants to beat it because that's the way he is i yeah it would have been nice to know where that fear is coming from do they do people get booted out of the academy if you can't pass this thing but then that goes away then that that screws up pine doing the test like five different times to before he rigged the system or whatever i also uh lauren was commenting how zachary quinto never smiles in this movie but he does an I amazing job of being at a point. <laughs> <laughs> he does a great job of being very funny in yeah. this movie without with that deadpan. Like he just nails that at every turn. I will say having Drax now, it's kind of like mm, it's not as good. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This Drax is, true. is a clown. I don't know. Spock, yeah. they're different. Like I'm just Drax saying, is so when absurd. It's just how funny he is. It's obviously mm-hmm. they're two very different characters. Yeah. But... I definitely forgot to tell my biggest dad joke earlier. <laughs> just about, can you imagine the size of the pizza the Enterprise would cut? It looks like a pizza cutter. <laughs> uh, I That's all give a I shout see out. when I look at that thing. Just a pizza cutter. Shout out to Michael Giacano's amazing score in this movie. So good. Uh, it, it, he had this and up in the same year, which is definitely one of his high points in his career and uh i just i love the soundtrack for this movie and uh he actually i was watching that opening scene he gives that a nice little sad uh tune as well i mean it's interesting to contrast against up he has to tell kind of the sad story through music in the first 10 minutes of the movie uh, for both of them Uh, the other movie he did was land of the lost that year movie i remember liking (laughs) But I don't think I've is that the seen will the Will Ferrell yeah. one. I don't think I've seen it since the theater. Seems like something I would like. Would you rank this in JJ's movies? Huh. Mission Impossible, the two Star Treks, Super Eight, and Star Wars. He did Mission Impossible Wait, which, Three. Is which that one he did? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Wait, wh- which one was Mission Impossible? Was that the one of Phil Seymour Hoffman? The best one. Carrie Russell. Mission Impossible 3 is not the best one, but it's very good. It's it's the best one. No, it's not. Have you seen Mission Impossible Fallout? 
Yeah, we did a podcast episode on it. Okay. Wait, I think we did a podcast. That, yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, I'm. I, I, he's caught a lot of shit throughout the years for whatever reason. I, he's someone I've enjoyed every time out. I think Super Eight is super effective all the way through. It just doesn't quite earn the ending for me. I liked but, it. I. But, I mean, I. I would say this is one of his weaker movies, to be honest. Interesting. It's still good. I enjoyed it. I don't know. Wow, I didn't realize he only he doesn't have that many directing credits, at least in film. Well, he spent the last eight years doing Star Wars movies, basically. I guess that's true. No, he did Star um, Trek Into Darkness. Yeah, six years then. Because he was sitting by, I think he was quietly sitting by waiting for the other shoe to drop on Colin Trevorrow. And that's why he didn't do anything else post Force Awakens. We can talk Tarantino's Star Trek movie, and if we want to see that movie, which the answer is yes. <laughs> Apparently, he wants to like, like what was the quote? Like someone was just like, Tarantino, despite popular like opinion, Tarantino is not going to do Pulp Fiction in space, and he's like, no, this is exactly what my Star Trek is going to be. <laughs> no, Simon Pegg said that, and then oh yeah, he was like, I don't know what the fuck Simon Pegg's talking about. He dies first. He also hates. He hates time travel thing though. Apparently, he's like, I don't oh, yeah, get I it. It doesn't make sense. He, like, and it's like, dude, the last three movies you've made have all been about alternative realities. What do you not understand about what this movie's doing? I don't know. I think I saw somewhere that I don't know how if there is truth to it, but he wanted to like walk back a bunch of stuff that happened previously in the series. It's like I don't like that energy going into a movie. <laughs> like it still bothers me a lot like my biggest complaint about the movie rewatching it now i was also distracted watching it but other than eric Bana and not caring that much about that character or his performance it always bothers me a lot when he just shoots kirk off the ship because that's like such an emotional response to something and then he has to come back on the ship to get an emotional response from him where it's like but it's all it is there's no just throw him in a cell but he doesn't do that because we need this plot point where he meets other spock but it's also like if if showing emotion means you can't be captain either it's like i'm gonna get this guy to show he's pissed off it's like dude anybody in that situation would be pissed off like captain's missing planet just got annihilated in front of you doesn't matter if yours or not like you're gonna be a little tense i will say the only thing like as much as i complain about it i do enjoy the fact that they had to use a little kid to run away from the creature just to get the size difference or something. Which doesn't make <laughs> sense considering it's CGI. Why couldn't they just use an actual Wait, the, the big red monster? I, I think I read that. The one on the ice planet. Yeah. That's awesome! You know, the Demidog, according to IMDb Trivia, it says, When Kirk is being chased by a predator on Delta Vega, a child was used to stand in for Chris Pine in order to make the set appear larger. But it's like, all <laughs> it is is it's like snow and stuff. So I want to actually see this thing being shot. Because <laughs> it's like, if it's all CGI, that doesn't make sense. But I guess there was actually practical stuff there. I don't know. Well, apparently they wanted to avoid using CGI as much as possible. So they actually so shot this in space? They, well, <laughs> they they created a lot of set pieces. In um, space! <laughs> to avoid the use of CGI, I guess. Um, um, you can feel that in the movie. It's... Yeah. I don't know if that's to its benefit, though. I think it feels the action feels a little small in the movie, actually, for the scope that it's supposed to be. Yeah, the second the second movie does a little bit better job of that. 
but actually the third movie the third movie feels a lot more grounded but still has pretty impressive action sequences i kind of appreciate it being smaller though because there's just like Mm -hmm. a huge i mean they're the two big franchises so i'm going to compare them but like star wars compared to this is just so fantastical where it's kind Mm -hmm. of nice watching this movie being like this feels like a future that could happen so i appreciate the small scale yeah i I think they do a they do a good job of it the fact that they get action scenes out of people running down hallways like three times and it's entertaining is says something about abrams but i don't know i feel like it could have been a little bigger i don't i don't know well because it also it's and i feel like that's the difference between star wars and star trek that you kind of like hint at lauren is that yeah star wars is more fantastical and it's more epic in a sense where well it is an epic right it's like a giant myth or retelling of a myth instead in space and so all the action or stakes almost seems like larger whereas with star trek star trek was supposed to be like i was reading gene roddenberry when he first proposed the idea of it he was just like i want to do a western in space like i like serenity or firefly would not have existed without this show arguably right like and for that i thank it even if we had lived in an alternate timeline where there was still star wars but no star trek like the firefly show would be completely different i feel like and i think that's that's one of the benefits like you said it almost makes it seem like it is a reality that is plausible and like when you're having those like very small almost not claustrophobic but like small scale shots of like just people running down halls or whatever you're recognizing that like no the stakes are the people on this ship like this is a giant ship as if it was like an aircraft carrier or like a, a ship like in pirates of the caribbean yeah, and so like, i was everything legitimately that just thinking about pirates because it's like i was trying to think off the top of my head in the other movies i can't remember because it's been a while but was it's not like Battlestar Galactica where you have this carrier and a bunch of ships come out to fight a different thing. It's like just two big ships shooting at each other and eventually mm-hmm. one will defeat the other. So it's kind <laughs> of intimate in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I, de- I totally agree. Have we not, we haven't had like large scale space battles in these movies, have we? No. Okay. There's a big swarm of ships in the third one mm-hmm. and they destroy them with be- the Beastie Boys. I will. Ugh. I was just thinking about it though. Like I always love shots. Like it happens in this movie in the beginning during the first um, ship being exploded when the woman gets pulled out into space and it just like <laughs> it goes silent. I love. Mm-hmm. It's like, I mean, it's something that a lot of movies do now, but I love it every time. <laughs> well, because in space, no one can hear you scream. Bart. Oh, that's the quote. Scream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That would be my safest space. Maybe I do when I go to space. <laughs> You'd have to be in a suit. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else on Star Trek? Rest in peace, Anton Yelchin. For yeah, forever. It's why I haven't come back to these movies so much. It's so hard to watch because I love him so much. But he's good fun at it. You I know. It's just him. looking at him. He was young and he looks even younger. So to know that he died horribly it's just very upsetting but yeah he is great it is sad but and he's I need great to in watch movies. green room at some point so, same so good. like so many of these characters like his and zachary kinto's like the level of dedication that they have to their character is just crazy and so victor 
no, I can't do accents. I regret everything immediately. <laughs> Victor, Victor. <laughs> yeah, just it was it was so good. But they feel like their own, having seen seen bits and pieces of the original characters. Yeah, I, yeah. I think they do a good job of blazing their own trail. Mm-hmm. No, for sure, a hundred percent. Yeah, and that's that's one of the biggest all. strengths of this. We did not talk about Carl. Urban. Oh, Carl Urban's also amazing. Yeah. Great in everything. How, how has he not like landed a leading role in a franchise yet? Isn't he going to be? This isn't necessarily him leading a franchise, but isn't he going to be in, in the, the boys? boys. Yes. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, it's like, like I'm still so pissed that Dread didn't take off. God, that movie was so fun. That good. one I wasn't the biggest fan of. Yeah, you silly. I know. I'm. He feels I'm like. <laughs> it's like the raid, but good. <laughs> you take that back <laughs> Carl Urban has been yes it'd be great if he became a leading fellow but he's been doing good work and everything he's been in for a long time and hopefully the boys takes off for him I feel like the the issue is he he falls into that spot where that is currently occupied by Hugh Jackman as to someone who's great comedically but also like a really good action star and can do like a gritty role and Ooh, they're gonna be so mad at you all the kiwis they don't like to be confused with australians no this is fair this is fair but like they both fit that role so well but i don't know like it's hard to top hugh jackman so once hugh jackman retires like i think carl never Ur- he's a vampire that's gonna Can live forever Can carl <laughs> urban do a musical number do we know this do we really think hugh jackman's been as market correcting Carl Urban. Like no. Oh no, I was just going on a tangent. <laughs> I know. But I'm just saying, like Did you guys see that show he was in, Almost Human? I like that one. Yeah. But I guess it was too expensive, season, I think. Was, yeah, but it was so good. That was uh, the Fox show. It was the one where was he like, was yeah. with a cyb or not cyborg, yeah. um Android. Yeah. He was a detective. Hmm. Anything else on Star Trek? Our next two episodes are both going to be new releases. And that is Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. How did we not pick Inglorious Bastards to talk about this year? That's I don't know. You could have picked it. Big yeah. oversight, bus. What, what did you pick? What did you pick Good instead, movies? Zach? You picked no, garbage you things. Yeah, Zach, you picked <laughs> Magnolia and... Have you Eyes seen it? Eyes Wide Shut. You hadn't seen, seen that either? We saw okay. Eyes Wide Shut. That was... We saw Eyes Wide ex- Shut. I'm trying to expand your horizons, guys. I yeah, wish you would Yeah, stop doing that. <laughs> Whereas I give you amazing movies that you hate for some reason. <laughs> yeah, and I give you guys, like, unadulterated classics, like The Boondock Saints. Is John the one who's provided us the most loved movies? <laughs> yeah, the, like, most consistently <laughs> enjoyed movies. You're welcome! <laughs> So the next two movies are Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino's new movie, which I'm very excited for. And then the Hobbs and Shaw spinoff of the Fast and the Furious series, a series I despise, but think this movie looks incredible. And then we're going to do... Wait, Zach, you you don't like the Fast and the Furious? No, they're garbage movies. Could I recommend to you the best of Tokyo them? Drift? Are you going to suggest Tokyo Drift? Fast and Furious Three, Tokyo Drift, Tokyo Drift the most <laughs> because it doesn't have Vin Diesel in it, who is terrible as Dominic Whoa. Toretto. Oh, oh, he might be terrible in those movies. I don't know, but 
No, he's you, not. He's not. He can be a good actor. He's terrible yeah. as Dominic. Toretto. I mean, have you seen the Pacifier? That's like That's like oh my God. acting legend right there. Um, I'm just kidding. I really like him as Riddick. I don't know any of these movies on this list. That's a lie. So we're building up towards episode 100. So we have the two new releases. And then if our math is correct, if if we do our Romulan math, our 99th movie from the movie, from the year 1999 is Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia, a movie everybody is really excited to watch. And then uh, we are going to do 2009's Watchmen to celebrate 100 episodes of our podcast. Woo! Question about Vulcans real fast that I should have asked earlier. Is it mm-hmm. that they don't experience emotions or they're just trained to like, like dampen them? They're trained to dampen them. Yeah, I think it's just like their emotions are muted. Like they feel them, no, but they don't logic. express them. Yeah, they, 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 well, everything's they, logistic. I mean, can they logic their way out of feeling an emotion? Or do they still feel it? They just hide it real well. I think they hide it really well. Yes. Well, and that's what made that's what made that one scene at the end. Like when he, when he first talks to him about his mother as a kid. And he's like, well, as the ambassador to Earth, like it was the logical choice or whatever. And then the second time, when she's passed away, he's telling her that, like, no, like, I married your mother because I loved her. Like, that, like, oh. But, just... like, I wish we got to see more of that angle because when he's like, I loved her, it's like, I feel bad for your wife. Like... More of Winona Ryder? Yeah, I agree. I agree, Lauren. What do you think, Zach? She hates she's her, terrible so in Stranger that? Things. I mean, no wonder oh, she went to talk God. to Lights. Her husband was so closed off. The, like this is literally the dumbest take. Have you anyone has just ever go watched the show for two seconds? It's not that dumb. I mean, oh she my has God. Um, a lot of hysterical screaming that can be a bit much. At okay, times, so we can for. credit that the movie is the show's also horribly written. So we can agree on that. Too. You're horribly. Written. Oh my gosh, this is. Uh... Come back next week for our new Tarantino, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and uh, yeah. Until then. I'm Zach Oldenburg. You can find me wherever you can find at Zach Oldenburg. And you can find us at middleofrow.com. Rate and review us wherever you can get your podcast. I'm Ben Grigsby. You can find me on Letterboxd and Twitter at the Grigsby Bear. And you can find all of us on Facebook at Middle of the Row. I'm ja- Dude, Zach, did you put Fight Club on my birthday specifically? I did not know when your birthday is nor care when your birthday is but happy birthday <laughs> it was and funny both hurt and touch <laughs> what, a, what a dick move zach way to wait you know way to put my favorite you movie on my birthday for fair, the episode yeah, he probably did that so you would ask and then be like you know, I, don't, I don't give a shit <laughs> i am yell at you on your birthday yeah who's yelling i am at him? the I will be in agreement with him on his birthday. That's his birthday I, gift. I am the wounded Jonathan Rahul. You can follow me on Twitter at another Rahul J. You can also follow us on Twitter at Middle of Row. And I'm Lauren Heimbaugh. You can find me on Twitter at Beware of Trees, and you can find us on Tumblr at middleofrow.tumblr.com. Thanks for listening. Go watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and remember the best seats are in the middle of the road.